Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. All right, everyone. Well, hey, for the last time in 2018, let me say good morning to you. Uh, Man, it seems like only yesterday that we were wishing you good morning for the last time in 2017. I mean, 2018 has just flown by, and I know that really makes me old Uh, When you say stuff like that, where did the year go? I know, but man, 2018 is gone. Like in a little bit over 36 hours, we're going to be in a brand spanking new year. And you know, the new year when it comes is traditionally, isn't that the time that we, we close the book on the past year and we look forward to the new year, right? And for many of us, that means a New Year's resolution, right? I mean, it can't be a new year without a a resolution. You know, maybe you want to lose weight or eat healthier or, you know, maybe you want to call your mom more or read your Bible more or quit smoking or or maybe you want to quit binging on Netflix. You know, whatever it is that you you want more or less of in your life, you know, the, the new year is the time of year that we generally put those things in place. And I know statistically, you know, 90% of us are not going to reach those goals, right? But the 10% of you do, man, the new year kind of represents a significant stride forward for you in that, right? I mean, that's a, that's a good thing. Or some of you, like when the new year rolls around, it's time to get your new word for the year, right? You know, you know those people, you see it all over Facebook, like, my word for the year is cherish, you know, or my word for the year is joy, you know, and, and honestly, it's not really a, a thing for me. But I know a lot of people that, you know, they pray and ask God what their word for the year is. And, and it's something that they really use to color and to, to put their focus on in the new year to kind of shape the year that's coming up. And, you know, that's, that's a good thing for them. And so I don't know what turning the page of your new year looks like for you, but it's the time that mentally and emotionally that we just kind of close the book on this year and move forward to the next. Now, personally for me, uh, a book that I've recently uh, had to close is that my family just came back from a Caribbean cruise right before Christmas. I know, it's tough to be me sometimes. (laughs) But one thing that my family loves to do, though, is we love to go on vacation together. Like my parents, my sister and her husband, my family, my brother and his family, all 12 of us every couple years will get together and go on some sort of a vacation. And the best part about it is, is my parents pay for it. Uh, I don't know what happened to the parents I grew up with, but the parents I have now love to take everybody on vacation and and take us places that honestly we we wouldn't wouldn't be able to go uh, do on our own. Uh, But they do it and they pay for it. And then my sister creates these little memory books that are so awesome. Uh, Every vacation that we take, she just creates these books uh, filled with all of our pictures of, you know, the fun stuff we do so we can look back on it and we can remember some of the amazing uh, moments, you know, some of the funny moments like this one of my daughter uh, digging in the snowbank looking for her ski. Um, Her nickname uh, that trip was Kamikaze because that's the only way she could stop uh, you know, and, and the, the, we remember some of the exciting accomplishments and things like this one. This is me climbing a hundred foot rock face and not dying. Um, and then there's some really sweet moments that we look at, like when my dad grabbed my mom um, at the World War II Memorial there as we returned the battleship Missouri. 
And so we create these really awesome picture books um, as, as a way to remember and celebrate uh, the things that have gone on. And, and it's wonderful. It's great to remember those things. But don't most of us create picture books like that with the bad things that go on in our life? Isn't that where we generally tend to put our focus is on the mistakes, is on the, the regrets. It's on the, the wish, I, wish I would have or I can't believe, you know, I did. Like maybe the time that you tried to start a new business and it failed miserably. And so you feel like a failure. Maybe it's the time that the game was on the line and they threw the ball to you and you dropped it and your team lost. And that moment is on endless super slow-mo repeat in your head. Maybe it's the job interview that you had that you thought went great, but you never got a call back. And so you wonder what's wrong with you. Or maybe, maybe some re regrets from your past life. Maybe you had an abortion and you just can't get past the guilt from that mistake. Those are the things that get replayed in our head over and over. And that's what the evil one uses to beat you down and to, and to distract you from what God has for you in the future. The good things that God wants to do, the evil one uses those hurts, keeps you from that if you let him. And that's why it's so important for us to close the book on the past, on past hurts, and to move forward into what God has for us. So there's a, there's a moment in scripture where Jesus closes the book on his past, and he definitively says, this is where I'm going. It's in Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 16. It says this, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Look at that last sentence. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was reading from the book of Isaiah, which had been written hundreds of years before. And it was a prophecy about the Messiah that the God was going to send to save the Jewish people. And so that moment, right there, Jesus publicly said for the first time, I am the Messiah. I am who God has sent. And the Bible tells us that everyone in the room was staring at him in that moment. And don't miss this. He did it in his hometown of Nazareth. I mean, these are around the people that, that he grew up with. I mean, these are the people that knew him as, as that's Mary's son or, or that's, you know, the carpenter's boy or maybe he was Jay Diddy, you know, to his friends or whatever. I mean, it was home folk that he stood up in front of and said, I am the Messiah. And look, Jesus, I mean, he was perfect, so he never sinned, right? But he had some hardships in his past. He had some, some things that were difficult. Like, remember... Jesus' dad, Joseph, died when he was young. Most scholars believe it was sometime right after Jesus turned 12. So Jesus grew up, really, his teenage years without a father. And that made it financially difficult on them as well. I mean, Jesus had some tough stuff he had to power through. 
But in that moment, in his home church, in front of those home people, Jesus definitively closed the door on his past and said, this is my mission, to bring God's love as the Messiah. Now look, if you're a Christ follower, um, you know that things like that are easier said than done, right? It's easy to say this, but living it out gets a lot harder. Because when you choose to follow Christ, all of a sudden, you're on the evil one's radar. Like when you're not following Christ, you're just doing things yourself, it's no big deal. But when you choose to follow Christ, you are signing up to fight against the enemy, which means he's gonna fight back against you. And that's when these memory books start to really take hold in your life. That's when he starts playing in front of you. Everything you've ever done that you regret that was wrong, all the sin, the, the ways that, that you are not measuring up because that's the moment when you're really trying to make strides forward for Jesus. And that's, that's how the evil one works. So today we're gonna look at a story in scripture uh, that I think is an amazing example of how we can leave past hurts in the past, close the book on the past, and walk forward into the future. And that story is found, uh, it's in the book of John, chapter nine, okay? Um, and it's gonna teach us how we can embrace the future and close the book on the past. And so the first thing we can do is this. It's your first uh, fill-in in your message notes this morning. Is, is that see that my past has a miracle in store for it. See that my past has a miracle in store for it. So in John chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 3, Jesus and the disciples are walking and they come across a man who had been born blind. Okay, so back in the day, people believed that blindness or any other physical ailment like that uh, was the result of sin in your life. Now, we know that that's not true, but, but back then, they didn't know that. Jesus' disciples didn't know that, so he was about to teach them. This is what happens. Uh, verse 3. Uh, or the disciples asked, who had sinned, this man or his parents? And then verse 3, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Skipping down to verse 6. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. So something that really sticks out to me in this story is that after Jesus touched him, the man was not immediately healed. I mean, there's lots of accounts in Scripture where Jesus touched someone and, and they were healed in that moment. There's even a time where Jesus spoke words and someone not in his immediate presence was healed. But in this case, Jesus touched the man, but yet he still had to go wash the mud off his eyes first. There was still something that he had to do to receive that healing. And I think many of us find ourselves in those situations in our lives where there's something that we need to do that God has told us to do before he does what he wants to do. And maybe it's a, a toxic relationship that you just need to sever. You need to get out of that relationship. Um, maybe you need to seek professional help uh, for an addiction. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you need to change jobs or, or change your group of friends 
that you hang out with. Uh, maybe you need to start tithing on your income. Or maybe, maybe your focus is always on yourself and you need to put your focus on others first. I mean, it could be any number of things. Sometimes the, the hurt in your past or the thing that's holding you back, there's nothing you can do but just be patient and wait. And honestly, sometimes that's harder than having to do other things. It's just being patient and wait. But, but whatever it is in your situation that God is asking you to do, until you do whatever it is that God is asking you to do, your healing, that moment, that miracle is going to be delayed. Because like, we, like Jesus said, this man had been born blind all these years so that in that moment, God's power could be demonstrated. I'm here to tell you every hurt from your past, every bad decision that you've made in your past, man, that can be used for God's glory if you allow him to. But you've got to make that choice to do it. I mean, if the man had not gotten up and gone to the pool and washed the mud off his eyes, then he'd just be another blind man that somebody played a prank on. But because he followed Jesus' instructions and went and washed off, he experienced a miracle like few other miracles we've ever heard of in Scripture. So I want to tell you right now, even, even if you don't feel that miracle, if you, if you can't see how that miracle is going to happen, know that it's coming if you follow Jesus and if you do what he has asked you to do. Okay, the second step is this is acknowledge that only Christ can separate me from my past. Acknowledge that only Christ can separate me from my past. Let's look forward, John 9, verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. So remember now, this man uh, had been born blind. So he was blind his entire life. And when you were blind in that particular culture uh, back in the day, you really had one career option available to you, and that was beggar. So like every day, his family or whoever he stayed with would get up. They would take him to the temple courts or to the, the city gates or, or wherever they would go um, so that he could beg for people's scraps or, or beg for them to, to give the pocket change. And that really was all he had available to him. And I, I think it's probably reasonable to assume uh, that he and his family had tried pretty much everything uh, for him to have sight. I'm sure that they prayed every prayer that they were told would work. I'm sure that they tried every essential oil, rubbing it on his eyes. I'm sure that they bought every whale blubber lotion that came from every traveling salesman who came down the Silk Road, hoping against hope that this would be the time that it worked. But it never did. It never worked. And I'm sure at this point in time, the man had pretty much had enough with all of that. But one thing was different about this encounter is that it was with Jesus that was talking to him. And I, I think that, that when he realized it was Jesus, he knew 
that this time it could be different. Because Jesus had been creating quite a stir in the region and stories of him going out and healing people and going out and performing, performing miracles, those stories were getting around and people were hearing that. So when he heard that it was Jesus talking to him, I think he got excited that this could really happen. And look, and today, maybe you've tried everything you can think of to fix a situation or everything you can think of to get over something. And, and maybe you've heard stories from people about Jesus, uh, how uh, their marriage was in a difficult spot and how God mended their broken relationship. Or, or maybe, you, maybe you've heard stories um, about how people were wandering through life without a purpose. And then they found Jesus and they, they learned of their purpose through him. Yet, uh, maybe you wonder today if, if what's true for all these other people will, will be true for you. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why you're here or why you came. But I can tell you that the answer to what you're searching for, 100%, is Jesus. He's, he's the source of healing uh, that's, that you need. He is the path that you have been searching for and trying to find. He's the source of strength that will get you through whatever trial uh, that you're in the middle of. He, he created you. He loves you. And he has the best plans in store for you. And scripture tells us since the beginning of time, he's planned it out for you. So look, today, if you want to choose to follow Jesus... I want to encourage you to do that today, right now. There's a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Uh, It's a sample prayer that you can pray that will get you started on that journey. I want to encourage you to do that today. And look, choosing to follow Jesus, man, making that choice is super easy. Following Jesus, the follow part, honestly, is a little more difficult. If you'll talk to anyone who's been following Christ for a while... Uh, you're, you're committing to a lifelong commitment of striving and of learning and, yeah, of difficulty and hardship as well. It's not a one-and-done quick fix to, to all your problems, but I will tell you, it is the solution to everything. And it's the best decision that you'll ever make. So, look, if you're ready to pray that prayer, if you're ready to choose to follow Jesus... Use that prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Do it now. And if you're not ready, and you still have some questions, that's totally okay. If you want to talk, listen, I'll be in the lobby at the end of the service today. I would love to visit with you about that or connect you with one of our other pastors or volunteers who have been following Christ, and they can can visit with you about that. But don't let this opportunity to follow Christ. If If you hear... God's voice, if there's something in you that is telling you that this just makes sense, then that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to listen to him today. And then the final step to closing the book on our past um, and launching into the future is this. It's number three. It's your last fill-in. is tell my story. Tell my story. See, like I said, Jesus had been creating quite a stir um, in the region from the healing and the teaching and the miracles that he was doing. And the Pharisees, and remember the Pharisees were the religious leaders 
Um, they were the, really the pastors <laughs> back in the day. The Pharisees were not happy about that at all because Jesus was teaching and doing things that took them out of power and put the focus more on God. And they were not happy about that. So they were looking for ways to discredit Jesus. They were looking for ways to silence Jesus. So after the story in their town got out about this man who was healed, the Pharisees were in an uproar. And so they started trying to figure out what they could do to discredit what was going on. And as it turned out, Jesus had healed the man on a Sunday. And one of the rules was you couldn't work on a Sunday. And so they decided that by healing him, Jesus had therefore worked. And so he couldn't possibly be from God. Instead, he was a sinner. So they got the man and they grabbed him and they tried to make him recant his story. And they said, there's no way. How can it be that a sinner healed you? And I love what the man says. He finishes it up here in John 9, 25. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know. That though I was blind, now I see. That sounds like a song. Now look, that moment though, that was a crucial moment. Because the Pharisees pretty much ran Jewish society and culture. And this man who had been blind his whole life was now about to enter that culture as a, as a productive citizen. And so it would have made a lot of common sense to go along with whatever the Pharisees wanted, to say what they wanted him to say. I mean, that would have put him in their good graces. He probably would have been able to find a job then. He probably would have been able to integrate into society a lot easier if he'd have just done that. Or, I mean, at the very least, he could have just been quiet about it and not made a big ruckus. I mean, why mess with a good thing? But that's not what he did. He told him straight up what Jesus had done. And that's what we should do. I mean, we should tell our story to anyone who will listen. Like, Jesus changed my life. He changed my direction. He changed my priorities, my focus. I mean, I was all about just making money. That's who I wanted to be. I grew up wanting to be super rich and not, I didn't really care about people at all. Jesus changed my direction into a profession and, and a, a really a lifestyle of, of loving people. I mean, without Jesus, <laughs> I would be a prideful, arrogant, angry jerk who is obsessed with perfection and making other people feel bad because they didn't measure up to my standards. All the while on the inside, I would be eaten alive because silently I knew that even I didn't measure up to my standards. But by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that is not me. Man, that's a story worth telling. We should do that. We should tell our story. Your story. Your story matters. Who you are today because of Jesus matters. I mean, when we were on our cruise, everywhere we went, all the businesses were asking us to leave them feedback on TripAdvisor.com so that other people could hear about our experience because other people's stories matters. We want to know what other people think. We want to know how their experience was because it helps shape our own thoughts and perspectives. So when you tell your story, you're communicating to people about Jesus and about how their life could be. So man, tell it. Think for a moment. Who would you be without Jesus?
What kind of person would you be? What would you be involved in? Where would you be right now without following Christ? Tell that story. Man, I love hearing people's stories. It's so encouraging when people talk about how they are now, thanks to Jesus. And look, someone who is looking for the answer to life, when they hear your story, that may be what they need. That may be what it takes to click in that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is different. Man, and that's what that, that formerly blind man did, you know, after he had been healed. He shut the door on speculation. He shut the door on lies. He shut the door on all of it because he proclaimed the truth. He kept the Pharisees from discrediting Jesus and instead promoted Jesus by saying, I once was blind and then Jesus happened and now I see. I was this way, then Jesus, now I'm this way. So as we close today, I wanna encourage you, be intentional about telling your story in 2019. I mean, share what Jesus has done with, with your family, even if they've heard it before. It's always encouraging to hear it again. Talk to people at work. Talk to people that you, that you meet around, that you meet here at church, that you meet in the community. Uh, even if they're not Christ followers, share your story. I mean, especially if they're not Christ followers. Let people know who Jesus is to you and who you are because of him. And look, even if you are still struggling through a hurt or a trial, or you're waiting for that miracle that you know is going to come, share your story. It's a source of encouragement to those who listen when they hear that you are faithfully waiting and faithfully believing that God is going to use your story and going to bring that miracle to you. If you do that, man, Jesus will bless you. He'll bless others. And this will be the best 2019 that it can possibly be. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the conclusion uh, of a wonderful year uh, in the life of our church, in the life of, of my family, uh, in the life of uh, our families, God. I, I just I thank you, Lord, that's, that you have, uh, God, just guided our path. So, Lord, I lift up everyone in the room today, everyone who's listening to my voice online. Uh, Lord, you know the plans you have for them, God. And Scripture tells us that they are plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to give them a hope and a future. And so, Father, as we, as we close the book on hurts from the past, as we close the book on, on things from our past, God, on ways that the evil one uses it to beat us down, God, I pray that you will take those things and turn them into a strength. Turn them into something this year, God, that you can use to reach into the lives of others to bless them as you bless us. God, thank you for who you are in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.